Hello, just a quick notice at the top of this podcast to say that in the second half, there is a rather flippant and jovial discussion about guns, violence, and killing. Of course, this is fictional violence, it's directed towards Nazis, but it's completely understandable that with current events being the way they are right now, you might not want to think about guns or violence at all. If you don't want to listen to that, it's in the second half of the podcast where we're talking about the Sniper Elite board game. The first half is mostly just about Terry's Chocolate Oranges and Space Stations. Thank you very much, and on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, the podcast all about board games, board games, and the people who love board games. And my name is Matt Lees, and the other person's name on this podcast is Sir Thomas Brewster, of the Brew Clan. Esquire. I was going to say, I, I don't think, you say that we're a podcast about board games, board games and the people who love board games, but the people who love board games are just us, really. We don't talk about the yes. people who love board games that aren't us, typically. But it is about, fundamentally the podcast is about us. Yeah. Because it's about our experiences playing board games. Welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast yeah. about us. <laughs> well, and sometimes we do have bits of the podcast, for example, such as this, where we're not strictly talking about board games, but we are talking. So yeah. I think it's still fine. And ostensibly in the future, we have also done things like we used to do back in the day. We did the the um, folk game section, which was about people who play games. And yeah. I'd like to bring that back in the future. We need to wait until a new generation of people have developed a new generation of folk games. So we get people, you know, sending us emails being yeah. like, we used to play Laser-Eyed Timmy, where one person <laughs> would have laser eyes and everyone else was a hologram, you know. But until then, we have to that sounds like on a, ice because it was a, the same stuff. A future folk game. You know, like something yeah. from the. We, we, you, we, maybe that's an episode of the podcast. We bring, we sort of visualize folk games from the future and bring them into I mean, the that's present a, day. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's, somebody write that down in their brain. Um, I'd like to give a shout out as well, briefly, to the number of people who sent me emails over the past uh, few weeks. One person asking what the art shop I mentioned briefly was. It's the London Graphic Centre. Can't wait to yeah, go. If you mention. Do mention my name at the counter when you <laughs> buy things. They will be confused. They will have no idea what you're talking about. But I live for that kind of chaos. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've had a, a number of people reporting to me about the, the quantity of spinners in their house and the ah. which spinners come up in their day-to-day -day life. I think all of the emails said that there aren't really any spinners in the house and they're not really a part <laughs> of their lives. But still... I appreciated the correspondence. Yeah, no, that's good. I was worried that your inbox was going to be really flooded with like the Spinner Love Gang and and then we would have to sort of reshape the site yeah. in some way to accommodate that section of the audience. But but no, I mean, they're, they're as outmoded as we thought they were, I guess. I'm sure that will happen. The Spinner Bots will activate and there'll be all these <laughs> emails offering me, you know, a Nigerian prince offering me millions of spinners yeah. in exchange for me marrying him online. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the classic scam that you all remember from back in the day. Back I didn't realise until recently those scams were supposed to be unbelievable. They were supposed to be a... Um, the whole purpose of them is that the only people who are going to bite are people who you know are going to be very gullible. Right. So it's like a great self-selection system. I see. Anyway, see? It's already a podcast about the people who love board games. So now let's get back onto track with board games and board games. And we've got two board games for you today. The first board game we're going to be talking about will be Space Station Phoenix, a game I think of as Space Station Segments, because yeah. it's basically like putting together a giant Terry's Chocolate Orange in space. And then afterwards, we're going to be talking about Sniper Elite, the board game. Why does it exist? How does it exist? Should it exist? All this and more after a jingle. <laughs> 
Game number one on this pod adventure is Space Station Phoenix. It's a game about building a Terry's chocolate orange in space, as Matt put it. I sort of think of it more as three cakes that you're building as once made out of metal and aliens. Um, That's your also a good way of thinking about it. I mean, it is, it is like a, a section of a of a hive, I guess, a hexagon. There's lots of things it resembles more than a Terry's chocolate orange. And yeah. if you don't know what a Terry's chocolate orange is, because I have no idea about the international status of the mm. Terry's chocolate orange... Um, it's effectively a, a sphere of solid chocolate that is cut into segments that look a bit like orange slices. Yes. And um, basically, it's just it's an excuse to eat a very large quantity of chocolate um, by putting it into a sphere. But it's called an orange, so it's one of your five a day? Yes. It is technically full of fibre, and it's wrapped in foil, which is orange, to make it look like an orange. Yeah. And if you eat that foil, then the foil is extremely high in fiber <laughs> because it's an orange's skin. The people in the United Kingdom are extremely gullible to uh, orange-shaped and orange-colored objects, thinking that they're healthy. Um, people say that the Terry's Chocolate Company had too much of a say in the uh, health and food <laughs> department of the government. But I don't think that's true. I think they got it just right. Anyway, um, if you're ever... If you ever see one and you never heard one, get yourself one. Yeah. Pretty great. I was going to say, we, we shouldn't have even described it. We should have said, for anyone who doesn't know what a chocolate, Terry's chocolate orange is, get one. You won't regret it because they are delicious. They're very, if you like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stop talking about chocolate oranges now. Please, Tom, tell us about a board game. Quinns has just messaged me saying, happy birthday, loser, on, on the Slack. It's not my birthday. Has <laughs> <laughs> he, my birthday Sent gives wrong you, person? Yeah, maybe he has. Maybe he's got the wrong day. Maybe wrong he thinks day. it's your birthday. <laughs> Anyway. Well, that's great. Just take it. Oh, yeah, You've got it. a new birthday, Tom. <laughs> you heard it here first, live on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Tom now has two birthdays. Tom's second birthday. That means you're going to get old real fast, though. You'll catch me up. Cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, do I, no, do I age or do I just get to double dip on celebrations, I guess? It's up to you. It's okay, up to you. Okay. You can choose one or the other. Okay. Let's talk about Space Station Phoenix. It's a Terry's Chocolate Orange board game where you're making a space station above Earth. You're aliens, I think, in the fiction of this game. You've turned up with your big alien fleet and you're going to invade Earth. You're not. You're going to turn your big alien fleet into a space station so you can observe Earth. Uh, I think that's the vibe. Um, each player has this hub of a station in front of them, this sort of hexagonal, chunky piece, and a fleet of ships, which look like cards. And th those cards are basically your worker placement spaces in this worker placement game. Um, every player also gets like a bunch of resources to start uh, off at the start of the game, and then you just go. And on your turn, you either spend some of the money resource, which is these delightful orange gems, to take an action on one of your ships, which makes the money basically just workers in a worker placement game, or you can pay your opponent to take an action on one of their ships, basically giving them some of your workers. Uh, and the other option on your turn is just to take income. You get more money to take more worker placement actions, and that's it. I thought this game would be complicated because you put it all out on a table and it looks really scary and big and busy, and there's loads of iconography, and it's a Rio Grande game, so it, you know, it looks like a spreadsheet, but... Actually, it's quite pretty for a Rio Grande game, I'd have to say. No, it is. It's it definitely is. on the top top end of the Rio Grande yeah. scale. Yeah, exactly. It's not got Ranging quite from, as... Hey, look, we really tried to. I don't know. Just look. Just put it in a box. <laughs> it's a board game. How um, hard could it be? Yeah. Well, how many colours do you need, Kevin? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought this was um, pretty easy to get your head around once you got your head around the iconography because it was just one of those games that is like, hey, welcome to the sea of iconography. See yes. if you can find your way home without drowning. And... 
the system of having these different cards for these actions really there are only a certain number of actions in the game right and they were all to do with like either you're going to go and explore a planet do a thing upgrade a thing and all of these different cards that we had were just different like qualities of those abilities in a way so you, yes. you'd have a card in front of you that was like oh this card lets me build cool things really well and so that's where i kind of like the element coming into it of being able to use other people's worker placement things because as the game and rounds went on sometimes things were in real short supply and you could tell that everyone really wanted to do the same thing at the same time mm. so reaching across the table and sneaking somebody <laughs> else's worker placement slot away from them when they were probably planning to use it on their turn yeah was delicious that's the thing is that it feels it's like a feel bad moment when you have to pay the opponent a few extra you know money and they get some extra money but you almost always want to do it because it is so cruel taking that option away from them on their turn especially because it's mm. one of those games where sort of the your motive is basically just to sort of extend your turn for as long as possible before having to take yes. a fallow turn where you, where you get income um 100%. I should... so you've got that yeah asymmetrical thing is a key part of it right in terms of having these different things these different actions but then trying to eke out for as long as possible yes. because if other people are refreshing their rounds and getting their income first then hey you get first dibs of their cards again you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a really nice moment that happens where you just wait for someone to take income and then you're going to be first on the docket to go yoink and just take exactly what you want from in front of them if they have a super good ship i, I should explain real quick what the sort of core loop of this game is i suppose because mm. um, it's very satisfying um what you're going to be doing fundamentally is the game is probably going to end by building out this space station you've got in front of you doing three floors in each of the three different colors of alien green pink and brown i think um I think once so. you've built out that whole space station that's going to trigger the end of the game there's other ways you can trigger the end but how do you do that well you're going to need metal so you use metal and then you get one of your ships and you use the metal to build a new floor but then you need to put aliens in that floor so what do you need to do for that you gather some food and water to house some aliens and those aliens give you bonuses uh, when you fill up certain numbers of spaces but lastly, you've got the most interesting action in the game. How do you get that mat metal? <laughs> How do you get the metal? metal? How do you get the metal to build your nice space station? How do we get the metal to build the space stations, Tom? You get the metal to build the space stations by destroying your own ships. What? I what? know. You've played what? the game and you find it. You, you're startled once again. I cannot believe you've done this. <laughs> Fundamentally, the way you're going to get all of your cash in the game is by using a worker placement spot to destroy another worker placement spot, which is a really juicy little decision. And you think it's going to be really harsh from turn one. But really, because of the way that players start with slightly asymmetric sets of ships at the beginning of the game you'll probably have a ship that's like first on the chopping block i feel like that's one of the areas of the game where i might have liked it to be a little bit meaner sure right? in the fact that each of the different setups for the game we all had slightly different cards but mm -hmm. effectively all it meant that we all had the same basic set of ships that were not that great and then we all had two or three ships which were versions of those other ships that were better yeah and what that meant was that when it comes to trashing ships, you just trash the less good version of the one you've got a better version of because of what you started with, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which wasn't an especially interesting decision to make. But I mean, there was some wiggle room in that and the fact that trashing better ships, as you might expect, gets you more stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think the only the only flip of that that we saw was the fact that the chap we were playing with, Drew, who's sitting next to me, he trashed one of his ships straight away. And then, <laughs> because in his mind, he thought, well, I can just use the better version of it, right? But then I started to use the better version of it occasionally mm. in a way that was quite annoying. So I think it does take away options there yeah. in that regard. But then again, there's some softness in the fact that each of these different action types, whether it's 
going and getting metal or turning a ship into a thing or going down to a planet to try and explore and maybe bring back some aliens with you. Can't remember. Bring back some humans with you. Bring back humans better than aliens sometimes (laughs) if they're behaved. Um, Was you can always do some of these actions. So there's always a a, a space for each type of action. So if you can't, if you get stuck, you can just pay extra and get a less good version of that thing and all of these things kind of added together i think to to take some of the edges off of the flow in a way that was understandable but i think maybe because i thought about this game quite a lot because i really liked a lot of what this game was doing yeah i like the fact that you have all these different resources that you're trying to maintain and juggle and then the fact that you can see quite visibly around by looking around the table just by the other resources that other players have, you can kind of tell what they're going to be doing because the resources are so specific to certain actions and certain sort of techniques. Right. And then you've got the fact that you've got like three different types of aliens and wild aliens. Yeah. So And humans. And, and humans that are all basically going to be scoring at the end of the game and all can only go on certain types of spaces. Yeah. So there was a lot of, I felt, a lot of really strong round-the-table looking going on yes yes that's the thing that i really i really like playing this game at two players because what you Mm. alluded to there with you have all these different aliens you have four different colors of aliens plus humans and they're all going to score at the end of the game for who has the most of each category and there's a really nice constant sort of mental ticker that you're trying to keep going where you're exactly working out how you can get just enough of the humans or aliens that are in the sort of pools at the top of the board so that your opponent cannot beat you but you don't want any more than that (laughs) because then you're getting into well i want to just get a different color so that I can start scoring in that criteria instead. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's lovely. That was fun, that idea of like trying to rush to grab all of the things quickly. That was nice of having those shared pools of aliens of being like, I'm going to grab all of those. No one can get any of them. <laughs> I know. You all live in my house now, alien. Yeah. And yeah, I think that was fun. And also there was there was kind of a lot going on, but in a, in a kind of light way. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you're rolling lots of dice to do things a lot of the time. So when I was doing my exploring missions, I was just rolling into all 10 dice at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 dice? That's an exciting number of dice to be rolling <laughs> and then choosing some of those as resources or humans to take back to live mm-hmm. on the space station. And, you know, that core loop of, like, choosing something to trash, creating a new part of your space station, filling it up with aliens that then unlock bonuses um, was a really pleasing little flow. It's a funny one, right? I think we landed on this in a similar way. Of It's very satisfying. It's quite fun. But I felt like it wasn't quite exciting enough to really get me feeling into it, into it. You know, it was one of those games where you very satisfyingly move things about and there wasn't perhaps enough colour there to, despite the fact it is a very colourful game, there wasn't enough colour there to really draw me back in, especially because a lot of the appeal of playing it again and again and again, and this may very much appeal to some people, mm. is um, is the fact that you've got all of these different potential starting yes. board bits that, that add, in some cases, quite interesting and odd ruffles and powers to the game. Yeah, you have all these, the sort of the core of your ship kind of defines what your starting powers are. Sorry, the core of your space station, I should say. That hub will determine your starting resources and like an ability you'll get and maybe like how you take income as well. And then on top mm. of that, this is the thing that I want to stress because I actually think, I think I like this game just a tad more than you potentially. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've played it a few times afterwards and I've really enjoyed it at two players especially because I think that I'm a bit of a sucker for that kind of like, 
jumbo replayability where you have a game where you can always start in a slightly different position you can approach the puzzle in a slightly different way and this game has that in spades it's very rio grand like a lot of this game you can understand exactly why it's published by this publisher um but you have not only do you have those sort of starting hubs that will change you also have what like floors of the space station you can build that will change from mm. game to game you start drafting the ships that you start with so you get like a shared pool and you pick which ones and i think there's a lot of really nice right. sort of meat on that bone there if you want a game that you can replay over and over and over and over and over again yeah you know when i think we played this i think uh we went through some of the stuff afterwards when i was like glancing through about the the, the modifiers and i think i might have forgotten about the drafting stuff actually because i i remember playing and thinking i want to go back to this again and kind of go in deeper you know yeah. i want to go in with like okay we've tried some of these basic things i want to go and play this with some of the weirder looking space station <laughs> cores and i think that might yeah that might actually be the answer for me because as i was saying i felt like the distribution of the ships at the start was just a little too safe mm-hmm. and i would have liked a little bit more like you know nothing as wild as uh you know sidereal confluence but just something a little bit more risky something yeah. that allows you to be trashing trips and chips in a way that leaves you relying on other people's mm. fleets to use rather than just like maybe using them every now just and then dabbling. to be annoying yeah using them to be annoying is definitely part of the game yeah it's definitely something that i kind of after playing you know a couple of times i was like i do want to go back to this i do want to kind of investigate this further i think it just didn't like immediately excite and grab me but i feel like it might be really solid and i feel like ramping up those sliders and making it meaner on all of the edges yeah could be the answer to that yeah um, i think so that- it's a very it's a very cool thing it's one of the coolest rio grande games i've played for a while i think easily yeah. It's a, it's a good it's a great production. I think that yeah, it's it's one of those things where maybe that initial excitement was just potentially because it's a theme we've seen a lot. It's space, it's aliens, it's building a space station. I think that at least the fact that you're constructing a space station out of your fleet is a good enough like thematic hook to get you in. Yeah. But then it does become very quickly cubes and numbers and rocks and spending rocks to get more rocks. Yeah. Meat rocks, yeah, we did, water rocks, we very metal rocks. Rapidly gravitated into the and that gets me two of this color and one of this color and <laughs> yeah yeah one of them and and that's i think i kind of think that's fine sometimes i feel like it's worse when these games try to imbue their games with with huge amounts of richness and depth that it then can't earn in mm-hmm. a way sometimes keeping it quite vague um works a lot better and you know i think i'd say that i i probably enjoyed this more than um beyond the sun Beyond the Sun. I was going to say Race for the Sun, but that's not it. That's, <laughs> the latest in the Race else. for the series. <laughs> race for the Big Mars. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I enjoyed it more than Beyond the Sun. Interesting. Um, which I think is interesting, right? In the fact that I, I found Beyond the Sun to be a little flat, if I'm honest. And that was flat in a way that... I felt that was flat in a way that alluded to there being more dimension, right? In terms of right. the the technologies and the ideas there. I felt like it was expecting players to do a lot of heavy lifting where it could have been just doing a little more to create a sense of theme and a sense of mm-hmm. like world building. Sure. But I just felt like, eh, didn't quite land for me, which I think I enjoyed this a little more. Um, but even so, um, didn't set my world on fire. It's funny though, like I don't understand what it is. It's like there's some sorts of flat Euro-y things that I really get into. Like I've been really enjoying Cora, you know, we talked about that oh, yeah. recently, right? <laughs> and I've played that again and it's like it's really solid. Yeah. It's really solid. And it's not exciting. Um you know <laughs> at, at all. But for whatever reason, it's just that is more of a game where maybe it's because it's slightly more condensed. It doesn't sprawl out. It's not a huge thing. Yes. 
I just feel more like, yeah, let's just move some cubes around, do some numbers. And and it's like knowing that a game is that. Cora is definitely quicker to get it out of the box and just start playing than Space Age Phoenix does have a, a, a chunky bit of setup um, to do for it. And I kind of agree that like there's it's quite hard to work out. I think we do this quite a lot where we'll set, we'll be very positive about a game, but then be like, but it, it's not that exciting. And that's definitely true of a lot of these like very dry games is that like, I think I really like Space Station Phoenix and, and I, I want to play it more and it's really great, but I don't know if it's, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. It's very hard to explain in a way that makes people go, oh yeah. And I don't think they, I don't think they have to be. No. Know? I think, I think it's definitely a struggle for us and um, in terms of how, what we do and how we do it. And I do notice across the years, I've had reviews I've done particularly reviews for games like Altiplano, The Taverns of Tiefenthal, where I'm kind of at a loss and all I can see say is explain how the game works, show what it looks like, and then just say, I just like this. It's just nice. <laughs> it's nice to move things around and do things. And unfortunately, it's like that is a core part of board games, right? Mm. And as much as we like things that are exciting and as much as I want a little bit of spark and a little bit of um, teeth in anything I play, even the nice gentle afternoon Euros, if I'm completely honest, <laughs> there is something inherently very pleasing about moving things away in a nice nice yes. way. And I think this is one of those games that actually in tangibility forms does some lovely things. The little segments slotting them in, mm-hmm. putting the little aliens on the slots. On their little houses. You know, rolling all of these dice, flipping over cards to trash them. I think it's, I think it's really nice. I think it's just something that I, I've played and I go, I like that, but I wasn't... I wasn't excited to play it again. I think that's partially as well is because they have really ramped up the um, replayability stuff in terms yeah. of the core of your space station that gives you a kind of starting setup and something a bit different than other players. Because there are a bunch of those, the d- the downside of that is it means that they don't have any color, really. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, I'm going to play as the space bees or whatever. It's what just... set of icons are you going to get at the start of this Exactly, game? right? It's like, what's your setup? What's your yeah. starting setup? And because of that, I felt like that was maybe what let it down in terms of giving me that, that impetus and that desire to play mm, it again. I can see um, that. In the same way that, like, you know, Roll for the Galaxy and Race for the Galaxy, by just having those two little pictures next to each other, you give you a sense of yes. who your aliens are Yeah, that's enough to be like, oh, next time I play, I'd like to play as... The people who are horrible bureaucrats or something. Yeah. Or, the, or the, you know, crazy tourism mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in lacking that, it was a case of me thinking this would be interesting to play more of, but I wasn't like excited to be like, I'm going to go back and try again to do this because I didn't feel like there was a different critical line through the game, you know? Yeah. No, Even I know. In some mean. Euros, it'd be like, next time I'm going to make the purple train line go really far instead mm. of the, the cyan blue one. There wasn't that. <laughs> I didn't feel like I had a different critical path. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I hope we've given a, a rounded enough view of the game that for some people, absolutely, they'll just be like nodding their head and going, yeah, this is for me. This some is people for me. are going to be, uh, they're going to be screaming. They're going to be so hype. They're going to be... Yeah, it'll be like when the Beatles were first unleashed <laughs> yeah, upon yeah, exactly. the UK Games Expo. <laughs> Fresh out of the board game, hot video game board game <laughs> crossover list. It's the Sniper Elite board game. Now... This is a very popular video game series about people in World War II shooting other people um, and then watching as the bullets go through their bodies horrifically in slow motion in a way which, frankly, at this point is so over the top that it's purely comedic. Yeah. And uh, the series has really leaned into that over the years and the fact that it's, you know, got 
you know, being able to basically shoot people's bollocks off and getting in you know, in glorious X-ray vision. It's it's the kind of stuff that you'd see kind of in like a compilation to warn parents about uh, their the, the violent video games their children could be playing. It's like so graphic and over the top that it doesn't need to exist. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 nonsensical. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. nonsensical. <laughs> but it's a game that is specifically about lining up a shot taking a shot and then watching in slow motion x-ray vision as as it does tremendous damage and that's the game people really like it um sometimes they're normal people um, i remember at one point spending some time with famous writer charlie brooker and it was one of his favorite games you know and he's just strangely psychopathic glee at him just having a great time spending <laughs> an afternoon repeatedly shooting people in the head um but that's fine everyone's got hobbies okay everyone's yeah, got hobbies you do my you. hobby is board games so this I was interested in because the question, of course, is how do you turn a single-player game about sneaking around and shooting people in the head from very, very, very far away into a multiplayer board game? Mm-hmm. And there are different ways you could do that, and I'm going to go on a limb and say that the way that this game has done that is not the way that you do that. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to lie, all right? It's not an easy task. I'm not going to sit here and go... Oh, you got it wrong. You didn't do it well. Enough. You know, it's like I have a suggestion, but it's it's kind of unhinged. So I don't think it's even that good. Oh, right? okay. I'm I'm very so, excited for Matt Lee's board game school where you're going to pitch the, the the solution. We'll um, come back to that. Okay, we'll come okay. Back to I'm that. excited. So I'm first excited. of all, this is a one v all game in which one person, Mister Sniper, is pitted against the Nazis. Yes. So effectively, it's a hidden movement game where the person who is the sniper chooses a part on the map that they're going to be entering from and then they get to move around the board whilst the nazis just turn up with dogs and patrols and all of the things that nazis do uh well not all of them to be honest that would probably be a bit much of the scope for this game i'm gonna move on (laughs) you get to move around and the rule is that you can move like just a little sneaky one space or you can move two or three spaces but if you move two or three then if you go past the space with a Nazi in it, then you have to inform the other players. That is naughty. Yeah, That is naughty. Yeah. I ran there, so they kind of turn around and go, what was that? Yeah. And you can then also shoot people. And you can do those two things in any order. You can shoot someone and then move, or move and then shoot someone. And the fun thing about that is you don't have to tell the other player the order of those things. So the idea is that you are taking shots at Nazis to try and kill them, and then you are sneaking around to try and get to some locations and blow them up or steal something. Yeah. I don't know. I had to get to a couple of places and then leave, basically. And then the Nazis have to try and work out where you are. And the other players basically go, well, they could be there. They could be there. And then they, on their turn, they move around and search and see if they can track you down effectively. And as the sniper, the snipey bit comes from you doing a little bit of... of it's, not even bag, it's not even bag building, really. It's, it's auto bag building. Yeah, sure. Um, and bag effectively bag rummaging. Bag management. <laughs> Not even bag management. No, we we bag, bag building and bag management are the same thing. Bag rummaging uh, uh bag pulling. Bag pull bag pull the uh, bag, bag pull bag, bag pull bag is a good pull, word. Bag pull with sprinkles. We'll bag pull it bag is, pull with sprinkles. That's perfect. Because the way it works is every time you take a shot you you keep pulling out tokens from the bag and uh, either you shoot someone or you shoot someone and it's very loud or you do not shoot someone. <laughs> and effectively, it's how many spaces they are away on the board in terms of... So you, say, you don't tell them where you're shooting from. You just say, I'll be shooting by you know, four spaces. And then 
basically you say how many people... In fact, you don't have to do that. No, I've you realized. don't. And this, yeah. was, this was the thing I really enjoyed, was I could say a number, and that's the number of pieces I was going to pull out of the bag, and then I have to pull a certain number of like hits for each space that I am away in terms of distance. So I had some fake-out stuff early on when I'd say, oh, I'm going to pull out five tokens, mm. making you think that maybe I'm quite far away, when actually I'm very close, but you yes. don't find that out. However, when you're pulling these tokens out, if you pull out too many of the noisy tokens, then basically you reveal where your location is. And if you don't pull out enough of the hits, you don't hit. Yeah. And then I think also you could jam your gun. There's some bad stuff that could happen if you just really... Something could go completely wrong, I think, right? No, it was just... The the, the worst thing that can happen is you could... There's like a misfire, which is you, you basically... You miss if you pull a certain number of tokens from the bag. You create noise if you pull two red tokens from the bag. And the other thing is good for you. It was suppression, which cancels out yes. some of the noise tokens. But you only get that by shooting an officer. But we'll come back to that later. That's it. Yeah, so you, you remember halfway through the shot to put a suppressor on the rifle as you're pulling these tokens <laughs> out of the bag. Um, yeah, so it was interesting in the fact that you were supposed to be sneaking around, but then you were also shooting people. But then when you shot people, every time you shot a baddie, you got to put another good token in your bag, like a shot token. If you, every hit, time you shot yeah. an officer, yeah, then you get to put in like another, a special token. Mm-hmm. So it was basically encouraging you to just like, you got to sneak in, sneak out, don't be found. But along the way, shoot as many people <laughs> as you possibly can. But the only reason for shooting people along the way is that you'll get better at shooting people, which, yeah. which means technically maybe you just you shouldn't shoot people you should just try and sneak around so it was it was really interesting seeing the different approaches i've played this game like three times and in the first two games i played which weren't with you they were with my housemates were just like purely they barely shot a single person they just snuck around and managed to complete the objective hellaciously quickly just by sneaking and not shooting anyone and and being smart about it and then the game i played with you like turn one you just started blasting it was like straight out the gate let's go (laughs) it's clues on the box man like (laughs) sniper elite not sneaking around elite that's fair i wanted to pull things out of a bag i wanted to shoot some nazis and you pulled a lot of things Um, out of a bag and you killed a lot of nazis yeah and then then my character got caught and killed by the nazis presumably so i didn't i didn't do well but i had a had an acceptable time running around and shooting people you did um so yeah i think that it didn't really work um (laughs) as a design if i'm honest and yeah, I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. A lot of them are quite obvious in the fact that really you've got this board game, which is a power fantasy for one player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I think everyone else is there to support your power fantasy. Like they're turning up to like your like open mic poetry night or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it was strange. I feel like we could get into like a lot of the stuff about this game. Like we could get into the minutiae of like how the turn structure works and like what doesn't quite work. Like, and I'll, I'll sort of summarize that by being like, I just think that the deduction in this game for for the Nazi players uh, is just very ambiguous and, and and not quite as tight as I'd want in a hidden movement yeah. game. Compared to something like my management, where sort of the game is afoot from turn one, my games of Sniper Elite have been sort of like they've definitely been shaped by having this like first few turns ambiguity because you've got like no information and the Nazis are so limited in what they can do on the first few turns. They just sort of stand out in a field and go, is he there? I yeah. don't know. Well, exactly. You you do what they do in the video games of just wandering around and going, is there anyone there? Right. And then nothing happens and you get shot. Also, there was, you pointed out there was some ambiguity with the, um with the card system of, of where as, as the sniper, you get some cards that dictate what the two locations you are going to be trying to get to are, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the secret locations. But there was a system there to try and keep them separate, I guess, which meant it said, well, look, you know, if you draw on these cards and the other card you choose must be one of these other cards, they have icons on them. Mm-hmm. And you realize that that created a weird fuzzy zone of being like, well, are we allowed to know that? Mm. 
Are we allowed to be discounting that information as the people trying to find the other player or not? And if not, then like what stops you from just kind of learning that a bit? It, it was it was an odd gray area. Ultimately, I think it does boil down to be quite simple in that it's like if the sniper completes like 1A, then their objective can't also be 2A, 3A or 4A. It has to be like 1B. But those letters or numbers or symbols aren't like anywhere on the board. But that's it. I couldn't work out. It wasn't explicit in the rules and we couldn't work out by the board. You know, it wasn't marked on the board with letters, which would give you the sense of like, okay, this is information you're supposed to know. Yeah. So it was probably not information you were supposed to be knowing Mm -hmm. but then what stops players from learning that knowing that it just felt like a really odd middle zone yeah "Mm, it didn't feel right somehow there was like this is but then again i kind of felt like the whole thing if i'm honest was was thrown together in a in a way which was maybe not intended to be played that much i don't don't know I, i i don't want to be too cynical about it but i just got the sense that maybe this was more on the end of a light game that gives you some minis and ties into a video game in a way that doesn't exactly add up. You know, I was having a fun time sneaking around and shooting people while everyone else was just sort of shuffling around and getting shot. Yes. And that didn't seem to be a lot of fun for anybody apart from me. And I didn't have (laughs) that much fun shooting people. So I I kind of wondered what the question was, you know. I think it's like uh, the the ultimate sort of where I land on this is like it's kind of pulpy and like silly and like kind of funny when it's like firing on all cylinders. But I think that the more interesting part of this game is that fact that like you're right. And like it's the thing that everyone sort of come down on in my testing of this game has been like the majority of players get to play as the Nazis who are just effectively targets to be to be yeah. shot by the sniper who gets the power fantasy. And it's, I yep. think, so telling that the first thing that happened, I opened the box and the first thing that greets me is the solo manual. And it's like, of course, it makes so much yeah. sense that you, that this is a, it is a sort of power fantasy game for being a, a, a sniper elite. Um, and one player gets to bask in that and the other players get to play as the Nazis. Where When I was playing it, we won the game. We captured you, but it didn't feel good to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no, that's the thing. It's like, it's an odd one. Um, And I think it is a very odd box. And I think that perhaps, yes, it is like maybe designed to be a a solitary thing. I have no idea how it ended up the way it did, but it it ended up the way it did. And uh, yeah, I unfortunately, even if you are a big fan of the Sniper Elite um, video games, I don't think it's a very fun board game as a tie-in. It might be fun single-player, but then I I don't know. Probably just play the video game, I I guess. I don't know. I, I... I feel differently to single player games than a lot of people do, and that's fine. Everyone should do what they want to do. Um, but my idea would be like, really, my idea, if you're going to have it, right? Yeah. How do you do this? How do you make a true sniper elite style board game that mm-hmm. everybody gets to enjoy yes. the same amount? The answer is simple, uh-huh. but it's a little odd. The players get to be the bullets. <laughs> I thought you might say that. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Okay. So, so sell it to me. How does it work? Well, it, it's very... I mean, there's lots of different ways you could go from that from that starting point. Uh-huh. But, you know, primarily you just have this board, which is just like a skeleton or a bunch of bunch of X-ray skeletons of Nazis <laughs> on the board. And then, and then you just move up and down these tracks trying to, trying to curve the bullets in unlikely ways to... Trying to find... Yeah, trying to find your way to an artery. Yeah, like just trying to, trying to get the most damage done. I mean, it's a horrific idea. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. But then if you're going to make a board game about this, then you're already kind of skirting around the issue, right? Then just so, go, go hog wild. Why yeah, not? Yeah, you know, I don't agree uh, sure. with it. I just think that 
sometimes you've got to ask the question of if we're going to do this properly, how do we do it? And sometimes the answer that you come to when you come to the answer of how do we do it uh, leads you to realize that you should, probably shouldn't do it. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> Matt, I was also going to say that I did gather a little bit of uh, perspective on on the game by playing some of the Sniper Elite video game. And one of my chief complaints with the Sniper Elite board game was that for a sniper, you sure do a lot of getting right up close to someone, shoving the barrel of your gun directly into their face and shooting them at point blank range. Because often, like, it's actually really beneficial to shoot someone right next to you than someone really far away. So I went to play the video game to see if that was true. And I did a lot of stabbing people in the feet. Like, I was really, like, surprised that the it, the board game does emulate the video game perfectly because it is all about getting right up close to someone and just bapping them with a shovel. Um, I mean, maybe in the earlier games it was about sniping. Now it's probably just, should call it, like, Murder Man. Yeah, I, I, I think know. I sort of... <laughs> murder, murder Man. Slow motion Murder Man. I did do, like, I, I think I played that game very wrong because it did, it tells you it goes to great pains to tell you the ins and outs of sniping, and then I did spend most of it sort of crab, stabbing people in the feet, like crab walking, running directly up to someone, <laughs> sort of strafing past their bullets and then hitting them on the head with a with a blunt object. But, di- but did you win? Yeah. Did you win? Yeah, no, I won. I took a lot well, of damage, but I did win. Well, then who's to say what is wrong and what is right? Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We've talked about some games, we've shared our thoughts, and we've shared our feelings. Why not share your feelings in the form of a of a, of a comment or review? Wow, I'm really good at the like, you know, the whole push for engagement thing. Yeah, no, um, it's great. You nailed yeah, that. I no, loved I it. Did um, please just do something? Whatever you do, <laughs> just do something. What's like a, tell us about your favourite X-ray murder moment in the comments below. Smash, smash that bell. Smash that bell. Give us a tingle. Love you very much. We'll see you next week for more podcasts. It'll be a live podcast from UK Games Expo. Oh, yeah. It'll be coming into your ears at some point soon. Soon. Bye for now. Bye.